He's like, Mark, Mark's joined us late, so he's going to eat. But um, <clears throat> it's October the 13th, October 13, 2022. On the prayer list, uh, we just added uh, April um, Greer for what sounds like pneumonia. And I pray against Satan's lies with regard to some of the things that uh, these uh, so-called doctors and nurses are telling people. I pray that the Lord would reveal truth to her and restore her and that she not be put on a ventilator. Those things are deadly <clears throat> from what we're hearing, especially you know, they put you on there because they get money to do the research. Okay. Is that, who's out? Forrester. In the witch truck? Yes. The green one? Mm -hmm. I think he tore the muffler off of it. Okay. Uh, Reverend Mrs. Davis and their family, Marta and Charles, and also so for the young man, Sebron, who's Satan has attacked his family, <clears throat> and John and Ruby and Vassie and Linda, our friend Gary Neighbor for blessings, our police officers, fire and rescue workers, um, our children and grandchildren, our buddy Chuck Knipp and his father, Randolph, Bob's children, Stephanie and Mike, for salvation and wisdom for Mike as to where he might choose to to live. Um, unsaved family members, pray for the folks in Europe and our country and the situation on the West Coast. Still got drought. Mm -hmm. mm. And certainly for those in Florida. Um, Mississippi running dry. Mm. And that the uh, Black Velvet song, remember that song? Mississippi in the middle of a dry spell. Kenny Rogers and the Victrola up. It's about, it's about uh, Elvis, actually. It was about him. He didn't write that. Uh, you guys anybody in that picture? I see Lydia. Uh, yeah, I see him. That's the pastor and his son. That's great. <laughs> All right. And those bookcases behind it. Yeah. The ones I made. Awesome. Uh, Brittany and the child, uh, she may be delivering that baby this evening. And we'll pray for the future of that child. Uh, <clears throat> revival in America and for God's mercy. And um, we're praying for godly men to rise up in leadership. Um Ray for him and Judy and pray for what's left of our country. Salvation <laughs> for all. Amen. Wisdom and protection for all. Spiritual protection for our group of, and our listeners of this podcast. Discernment for believers in these times. Marcos, St. Ivanez, his family and salvation for Marcos, his son. And, um, We'll just bow our heads, uh, since Mark's eating, we'll just bow our heads. And we thank you, God, for the time together to fellowship, to learn from your word. We pray, God, you teach us, guide us, help us, and restore us where it's needed. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. amen. I like this verse. <clears throat> I'm going to Revelation chapter 1, but, you know, I just happened to see verse 21 of Jude. Jude doesn't have but one chapter. Just keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life.
Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And he is rich in mercy. And um, seems like for me, every time I turn around, I'm um, stepping in it one way or another. Uh, you know, I got bummed out over our dog. I figured for sure he'd have some kind of a, you know, terminal condition. He's just got arthritis in his legs. That's it. He was completely checked out. I don't know. We're gonna, I ordered him a set of little wheels he can run around with. <laughs> Try that carnivorous stuff. I will. Uh, I'll look into that. And we do have another supplement that we're giving him called enzymes. Let's see if we can. But, you know, it's this it's, it's arthritis. Um, I don't know how to get rid of it. It's pretty debilitating. But I, I was feeling like, you know, Lord, I prayed and I prayed for my dog, and I guess he's just going to die. And I guess that's because I'm not measuring up. And in truth, it probably, probably was true. Because I I um, feel like, well, I'm going to run to the Lord on this right here and ask Him to bless me and help me out of this situation. And, you know, but with me, I, I get back sometimes into the world and worldly concerns. And it has helped a lot to stop watching news because you don't know if you can believe it anyway. I mean, it's all one big psyop from start to finish. That's all it is. <clears throat> you know, you remember the movie The Wizard of Oz. And they, you know, they're all in there in that castle and there's this skull looking thing with fire coming up all around it and this that and the other he's saying and who are you and why are you here and scared him to death and then the little dog finds the man behind the curtain oh he's okay covers blown you know now truthfully i think that uh they were also in that movie alluding to the idea that oh you know god's not all hell fire and brimstone he's not going to stick you in hell and all this. All he is is this kindly old gentleman behind the curtain. Bluffing. Yeah. God's not bluffing. Revelation chapter 1, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him. Now my Bible here, this Thompson chain reference, the, the, the book is called The Revelation of St. John the Divine. And the very, you know, now, now, St. John, what does divine mean? That means at like God. That's a little much, if you think about it. But it's not his revelation. It says the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him. God gave Jesus Christ a revelation to show unto his servants. Well, he's showing through John the Apostle these things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant, John. So John gets it as his servant. And he's going to share this. It says it must shortly come to pass. A couple thousand years in the scheme of eternity is short. Um, the word revelation means... Apocalypto. Yeah, I've, I've heard that, yeah. Well, this has to do with the apocalypse. 
Verse 2, who bear record of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all things that he saw. Blessed is he that readeth and they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein for the time is at hand. So we're promised a blessing just by reading this word and, and by hearing it. Verse 4, John to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace be unto you and peace from him which is and which was and which is to come and from the seven spirits which are before his throne and from Jesus Christ who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and hath made us kings and priests unto God and his father to be to him be glory and dominion for ever and ever amen behold he cometh with clouds and every eye shall see him and they also which pierced him and all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him even so amen you know, in Zechariah, that prophecy, Old Testament, they'll look on him, the one whom they pierced, and then they'll know he was our Messiah. Verse 8, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation. Hey, Luke. need your Bible? Uh, I'll just copy off some mail. Copy off some mail. And the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ was in the isle that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet, the Lord's day. Now he rose again on Sunday morning and he didn't say Sabbath, he said the Lord's day. This would have been Sunday. He was in the spirit on the Lord's day. And here's this voice, 11 says, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, and what thou seest write in a book and send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia, unto Ephesus, and unto Smyrna, and unto Pergamos, and unto Thyatira, and unto Sardis, and unto Philadelphia, and unto Laodicea. And I turned to see the voice that spake with me, and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot and girt about the paps with a golden girdle. His head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow. There's a description of God in the book of Daniel. Just this, this is, That's how he's described. And his eyes were as a flame of fire and his feet like unto fine brass, as if they burned in a furnace and his voice as the sound of many waters. You know, Jesus was walking in the fiery furnace, wasn't he? 
And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. Now the sword of God is the word of God, and what he says, what he speaks, let there be light, there's light. He spoke everything into creation. And today he can call these things which are not as if they were, we learn in Romans. I like to pray sometimes, Lord, if it ever had been, may it never be. He can do that. He can take something that was and make it not to have ever been. He has perfect dominion over time and space. Verse 17, And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead, and he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not. I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. The Jehovah Witnesses get really tripped up with this first chapter of Revelation. Uh, They don't recognize deity in Christ. They don't recognize him as God. But they keep running into these speed bumps. And the Bible is full of them if you have your doctrine all jacked up like they do. You know, how can he be God and have died and rose again? How, how could that be? I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Verse 19, Write the things which thou hast seen, and the things which are, and the things which shall be, Hereafter, the mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand and the seven golden candlesticks, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. And the seven candlesticks which thou sawest are the seven churches. Now he goes through the letters to the seven churches, chapter 2 and chapter 3. And he there's two that he didn't have a complaint against. I think that was Smyrna and uh, Philadelphia. The rest of them had issues, particularly Laodicea. I stand at the door and knock, you know, let me in. So those are the letters, and it was, you know, John was told to write this down and send them out. I guess each church got to see what he had to say to the other churches as this letter was copied. So interestingly, in chapter 4, the first verse says, After this I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was, as it were, of a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. So John is, in the vision, he's taken into, in through an open door into heaven. And he's, been, he's being told, I'm going to show you the things that are to come. Uh, the times we're living in, we must be right at the threshold. It would just seem so. That said, I know that people thought in the major world wars that this was it, the big one, Elizabeth, but uh, it didn't happen. However, I don't think that <clears throat> we can go very much longer without nuclear war coming upon us. So, you know, basically, he's shown the layout in heaven, the throne, all of these things through chapter 4, through chapter 5. And in chapter 6, 
he begins, and I saw when the lamb opened one of the seals, he was the only one that could open the seals. And I heard, as it were, the noise of thunder, one of the four beasts saying, come and see. And so here we're going to see these horses. One after another after another, the white horse. Well, he has a bow, but no arrows. Um, he's being peaceful. He doesn't have an arrow knocked up, ready to roll. He's being peaceful. Which, by the way, we didn't find that broadhead. I don't know. It wasn't in the cooler. I'm glad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can't figure out for the life of me where it went. Well, hopefully not. I laid it somewhere and I cannot find it. I had to turn it up. Hopefully not in a bad way. I'm getting cut. Any event, uh, then after that one, there was the red horse. And power was given to him that sat thereon, verse 4, to take peace from the earth, and that they should kill one another. And there were given unto him a great there was given unto him a great sword, a lot of power, whoever this rider of this red horse is. And when he had opened the third seal, I heard the third beast say, Come and see, and I beheld, and lo, a black horse, and he that sat on him had a pair of balances in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts say, A measure of wheat for a penny, and three measures of barley for a penny. And see thou hurt not the oil and the wine, whatever that means. You know, I, Perry Stone preached one time about losing our honeybees and, and the, the um, olive oil, olive trees and the grapevines, they self-pollinate. They don't need bees. They get to keep on working. But a lot of this other stuff, no bees, no, no life comes to it. You know, no apples, for instance, fruit trees and such. But um, whatever it is, <clears throat> that's what it says. And it looks like what what amounts to a day's wages you work all day to to be able to buy a, a loaf of a wheat bread or a measure of wheat and uh, barley is cheaper and i guess more plentiful so if you had a family you'd have to get the barley and make barley bread which it's said that the barley harvest it represents the gentiles <laughs> And when he had opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth beast say, Come and see. And I looked, and behold, a pale horse. And his name that sat on him was death, and hell followed with him. And power was given unto them over the fourth part of the earth to kill with sword and with hunger and with death and with the beasts of the earth. 25%. Right now, that would be about 2 billion people. Are these horsemen active? You could make the case. Um, the vaccine conspirators, the COVID conspirators, you know, the mask is just about off, if you'll spare me that pun. People are not going along with it nearly as much as they did originally. Almost everyone has close family members or friends that 
got at least very sick from these vaccines, so-called, and maybe even died, and I believe that's how my brother died, you know, because nothing made sense. You know, he was going to the hospital because his shoulder was hurting, and he wanted um, pain medication, and I'm sure they asked him if he'd had his COVID shot, and when he told him no, and when he realized that um, they were not likely to give him what he wanted, I'm pretty convinced that's what he did. He did. He took the shot because the symptoms he developed after returning home was exactly like what so many had said. It, it just the, the blood just thickens up. It doesn't pump right. It doesn't function like normal blood. Um, it cannot carry oxygen to the brain or the muscles. And, you know, he, within a couple of days, couldn't stand up. Now, they put on his death certificate after mealy-mouthing around four months that he died from methamphetamine poisoning. No. Somebody on meth, they're up bouncing off the walls. Um, they're not in that kind of shape. So, you know, but more and more people are seeing <clears throat> what appears to be uh, vaccine adverse conditions. Uh, different cancers are on the rise. Uh, mostly it's heart conditions. But it's, you know, it attacks the uh, cardiovascular system, uh, myocarditis. I watched these videos of these young athletes, soccer players, football, basketball players, just running wide open, just like somebody cut the switch off and they just hit the, hit the ground <coughs> and hit the dirt dead. And that's just what's been called on camera. <clears throat> there must be hundreds of thousands, if not millions. But a fourth of the world's population is going to die during this rollout, which begins with a peaceful rider of the white horse with no arrows for his bow. But then somehow the horse is red, and now he is making war, and he is shooting arrows. And then after that, famine. You can't get food. You got to work all day for just enough bread to survive. And I don't know how you pay for anything else that you need to keep the lights on or keep from freezing to death or get to and from work. And then that last one, that pale horse, that's disease. Death and hell followed with it. Sickness of what kind? Various kinds, I'm sure. And you lose a quarter of the world's population. It could be argued that this is ongoing right now. I do not think we're in the tribulation. I think we're at the threshold of it. Well, don't they call that the birth pangs? Yeah, you could you could say that birth pains. Um, About just chapter one for a minute. The dead, the dead, the dead that pierced 
Christ and all that crucified him, they will see him. Well, that means that they have to be resurrected by then? I think it's the Jewish population will see him. Um, That's in the middle of the tribulation. So it makes me wonder when the rapture happens, the dead Christ raised first and then the ones that remain are, are called up. But I wonder if the ones that are dead, they're just raised up and stuck here on earth. There was, um, when Jesus overcame death and the temple veil was rent and it said in Matthew 27 around 51 to right in there that uh, many of the graves opened up and these people came out of the graves and went around and were seen by many well that means they wouldn't have been strangers I wouldn't think if they were seen by many that to me indicates the people that saw them knew who they were that's just my mm-hmm. interpretation on that. So, um, the um, beasts of the field are killing. Um, people do get killed by dogs and other wild animals, and who even knows what else could be in store. Verse 9 of chapter 6. And when he had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? So they are calling out to God. These These are the souls. I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they had held. Now there have been saints throughout the ages that have been killed for preaching the truth. Satan hates truth. And they're asking, how long is it going to be until our blood is avenged? Verse 11, and white robes were given unto every one of them. And it was said unto them that they should rest yet for a little season until their fellow servants also and their brethren that should be killed as they were should be fulfilled. Verse 12, And I beheld when he had opened the sixth seal. And lo, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair and the moon became as blood. And the stars of heaven fell unto the earth, even as a fig tree casteth her untimely figs, when she is shaken of a mighty wind. And the heaven departed as a scroll, when it is rolled together. And every mountain and island were moved out of their places. And the kings of the earth, and the great men, and the rich men, and the chief captains and the mighty men and every bondman and every free man hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains. And they said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath is come. 
and who shall be able to stand? So we're going to see a period of peace start out, and then it's going to go to war, then it's going to go to famine, then it's going to go to pestilence, diseases, and death by the beasts of the of the earth. Which I would say was the fourth part. The fourth part of humanity is about two billion people. It's interesting when you get further into the prophecies in Revelation, a third goes that time. Well, there's about six billion left, so there's a third. That's another two billion. It's two billion the first time. It's two billion the next time. Just thinking out loud there. So he's going to seal some of these uh, uh, Jewish people and their tribe, uh, so many from each tribe. You know, the... 144,000. And uh, this is coming up here in uh, chapter 7. And he's sealing them here now. Um, seemingly because it's on. The, the tribulation is at hand, or it's just getting ready to begin. So I'm going to seal you so that you can't be hurt. And they'll be protected. He's still opening seals in chapter 8, the seventh seal, the last one of the seal judgments. There was silence in heaven about the space of half an hour. And I saw the seven angels which stood before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. And another angel came and stood at the altar, having a golden censer, and there was given unto him much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of all saints upon the golden altar, which was before the throne. <coughs> Our prayers matter. Even when you're in the throes of tribulation, our prayers matter and God hears them. Verse 4, And the smoke of the incense which came with the prayers of the saints ascended up before God out of the angel's hand. And the angel took the censer and filled it with fire of the altar and cast it into the earth. And there were voices and thunderings and lightnings and an earthquake. It's really starting to get rough. I think here the seventh seal begins this period of tribulation. Verse 6, And the seven angels which had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound. The first angel sounded, and there followed hail and fire mingled with blood. Now, when you look at Ezekiel, Ezekiel 38, 39, and just keep comparing the similarities of these judgments in Revelation to what is mentioned in Ezekiel, it's pretty easy to see it's talking about the same event. Talking about the same event. I don't, I don't understand how so many people want to, on one hand, say we're in the very last of days. It could be raptured at any moment and look up, your redemption draws nigh, and yes, you should. The tribulation's about to begin. Armageddon is about to happen. And then they'll say that Ezekiel 38, 39 has to play out first. 
there's a seven year period at the end of that war where they're burning the weapons of uh, their enemies for, for fuel for their fires. I think that's the part that causes so many people to think that must be a separate war. I said, well, you know, they're burning, they're using, they're, they're cooking with fire. Uh, this isn't going to be like heaven. Why? Why not? It's the millennial kingdom. You know, you finish up in Zechariah chapter 14, he talks about, I want you all to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. When you come, I have all these cooking pots in his, in his home, in the Lord's uh, home here in Jerusalem. And um, you can take those pots and you can cook. And they say on them, holy unto the Lord. You all have seen this, right? These cooking pots. So yeah, you're still cooking. You're cooking with fire. Maybe peanut oil too. Phil Robertson had anything to say about it. But um, I believe there is a great misunderstanding about how this millennial age will unfold. There is a multitude of humanity that are still in their flesh. There are people who have survived this tribulation period. Zechariah 14 talks about survivors. Isaiah, I think it's 66, talks about survivors. Well, you said 4 billion were killed. That I've means heard, 4 billion heard, still there? I've heard 58% were killed, something like that. But that leaves a lot of people that went still. into the millennium. Yes. And then they will begin to live longer lives than they would have before the new heavens and new earth. There's two different new heavens and new earth coming. Isaiah 65 talks about the millennial age and that new heavens and earth. Um, people are still planting crops because if they don't show obedience to the Lord during this time period, he said he would deny them rain. That's what he says. And he would put the plagues that he put on Egypt on some of them. So they're still planting. And it says in Isaiah 65 that a man's days would be as the days of a tree. Could live up to a thousand years even. We've got trees way older than that now. It says that uh, children would be born, but there wouldn't be painful childbirth at this period of time. And again, if you want to study it on your own, Isaiah 65. It says if a man dies at 100, he'll be thought to be a mere youth. This is in Isaiah 65. This is, being, this is describing the millennial age. So no, uh, Ezekiel thirty-eight, thirty-nine is Armageddon. So don't get mixed up on that, because you know you just if you're trying to teach something and you're saying something like this and you're talking about the the imminent return of Christ, well, you see when He returns at the end of those seven years of tribulation, Revelation nineteen, you see that. That's when He comes back. That's not when he takes his church. He takes his church at the beginning of those seven years. And some people, no, it's a mid-trib. No, it's a post-trib. Read the feasts of Leviticus 23. We've been over it. You can search our podcast for the feasts of Leviticus 23. And uh, 
Now that's a picture. All those feasts are a picture of Christ in the church. So, uh, things get really rough, starting with this seventh seal that's opened. And the last verse of uh, chapter 8, And I beheld and heard an angel flying through the midst of heaven, saying with a loud voice, Woe, 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 to the inhabitants of the earth, by reason of the other voices of the trumpet, of the three angels, which are yet to sound. Chapter 9. The fifth angel said, And I saw a star fall from heaven unto the earth, and to him was given the key of the bottomless pit. And he opened the bottomless pit, and there arose a smoke out of the pit, and the smoke of a great furnace, and the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit. And there came out of the smoke locusts upon the earth, and unto them was given power as the scorpions of the earth have power. And it was commanded them that they should not hurt the grass of the earth, neither any green thing, neither any tree, but only those men which have not the seal of God in their foreheads. And to them it was given that they should not kill them, but that they should be tormented five months. And their torment was as the torment of a scorpion when he striketh a man. And in those days shall men seek death and shall not find it, and shall desire to die, and death shall flee from them. It's interesting. But all these things unfold. Yeah. The zombie apocalypse could be a real thing. See, Satan knows what's coming for the most part. He knows this Bible very well. And he will make light of it. Um, or try to. The so-called aliens. There are so many people that are going to fall for that alien deception. But there's a lot of very bizarre things. Uh, one preacher said... Uh, one of the congregation members said, I don't read Revelation. It's just too hard to understand. And he said to that man, he said, it's not hard to understand. It's just hard to believe. But we, at this point in human history, we've got microchips you can put in your hand, this mark of the beast that you can't buy or sell without it. Now, it's really important when looking at these apocalyptic unravelings to remember that Jesus said it would be as it was in the days of Noah, the coming of him, the Son of Man. It would be as it was in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah. And people are eating and drinking and marrying, giving in marriage and buying and selling and so forth business as usual once these once that last seal judgment then these trumpet judgments start nobody's doing any of that they're trying to figure out how to live so this is a picture of the church being taken away Noah was taken away to safety Lot and his family was taken away from to safety 
except his wife turned back. The angels told Lot, you need to go. We can't do anything. We can't do anything until you're gone. Those were their instructions. So this idea that the church is going to somehow endure tribulation is wrong. Now, will there be people saved? Yes. Because, you know, there's a place in uh, 14. An angel flying in the midst of heaven, verse 6 of Revelation 14, having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth and to every nation and kindred and tongue and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment is come. And worship him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains of waters. The gospel's being preached. An angel from heaven flying, telling the gospel. It's You can still get saved. Unless you took that mark of the beast. But not everybody will have taken it. This chip talked about in Revelation 13. We say chip. It says mark. But um, it's going to be in the hand, I guess the right hand or the forehead. I wondered a long time why, and I've shared this before, I'll share it again, why there was an option, why it would be some people would have it in their hand, some it would be in their forehead. Well, the hand, you know, these little chips, I read up on them, they need body heat to function. They generate the power that they use from the heat of your body as your body lives. But if you don't have real strong circulation, then that chip won't be warm enough to work. And it's it, it battery could go down. So we're going to have to put yours somewhere else. Well, if there's any life left in you at all, the temperature of your head it's going to be the warmest point, I guess. And so I'm going to cut the forehead open and stick it in there. And then I remembered something. I remembered that comedian, shock artist guy. I can't remember his name. But he'd take like this butter knife and pull his eyelid out and run that knife right up into a place up inside his forehead. Anybody can do that, it turns out. There's a, there's a spot there. <laughs> I'll probably just go ahead and keep my guns. <laughs> yeah. I'll just go ahead and keep my guns. So there's a, now uh, with the chip placed there, maybe you go to the store and, and you know, they want to scan you and you don't put your hand out, you just point to your head and they, Beep. you know, and uh, like, oh, you mis you misgendered someone last week. You don't, you don't get this loaf of bread. Kind of jar. Plenty of it weren't accurate. Well, that's what they're shooting for. But the church, those of us who are in Christ, he said he keeps us out of the wrath to come. He says we were not appointed to wrath. You want to be in the church of Philadelphia, brotherly love. You're not appointed to wrath. Now, when the tribulation's really cranking, you've got... <clears throat> Religious Babylon and commercial Babylon. 
Now there's this uh, harlot. This woman arrayed in purple and scarlet. Chapter 17. This is a false religion, a false church. I think the Catholic Church will be a big part of it. Upon her forehead, verse 5 says, was a name written, Mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. Anytime someone follows after a false god, God calls it harlotry, adultery. And they misled. I was on the outskirts of Rome one time and I seen these signs that said, come see the city on seven hills. And mm -hmm. that's exactly what it says here. And yeah. I was in Rome mm -hmm. when I was in Italy. And uh, when I went by there, by the Basilica, it was like, I was really freaked out. All the hair in the back of my neck kind of stood up. And I was like, what is that? I got really cold as the bus went by there, and I seen this big obelisk in the middle of St. Peter's <coughs> courtyard right there. There's a lot of idol worship involved with the... Where the obelisk came from. Yeah, I think it was Caliglia. Caliglia. Well, Egypt, it was, it's the oldest one known. And it's actually cut down a few hundred feet from what it originally was. Yeah, they have those all over the place. We have one in Washington, D.C. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's, that was built during and after the Civil War. No, I realize that, but what's it represent? Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's something, yeah, you don't really... I mean, it's not a godly thing, and there's been an awful... I mean, look at our money. Look at the pyramid and the eye on top of it. This is Illuminati mm -hmm. stuff. But the church has been here the whole time. And, and until he takes his church out, those who are his, until he takes them out, he does withhold judgment. And we've got Bible for that. Noah, Lot and his family. He withholds judgment. So this uh, commercial Babylon, chapter 18. And after these things, I saw another angel come down from heaven, having great power, and the earth was lightened with his glory. And he cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and is become the habitation of devils and the hold of every foul spirit and a cage of every unclean and hateful bird. For all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. And the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacies. This is going to be America. I've said that for a long time. And I, that fellow today that Ray sent me to Ben, uh, what's his last name? Anderson. Anderson. He, he's on to that, yeah. And in fact, there is a Babylon, New York. We had talked about that before too. The Jews called it that. They named it that when they were leaving Europe, particularly Nazi Germany, and many left, I guess, from Poland. They saw what was going on, so we're getting out of here. And so they came over here, and they talked, I guess, amongst themselves about this is like when we got put out of our homeland and sent to Nebuchadnezzar's Babylon. So they called that place Babylon. Well, that's right in the heart of New York City. I'm sure it was the Lord's will they call it that. It's a little bit of a clue. 
And I did not know this that that fellow brought out. The ancient Babylon in Iraq, the United States has commandeered that and claiming it and got an embassy there. Remember that part? So we done cornered the market on Babylon's. How can also you... something else uh, in the southern, well, about a little bit below Hussein's place over there. Anyone, all the fiber optic cables from all the other continents around, they're all converging into that one place. It's going to be the central command place. Yeah, you know what it might be for the Antichrist. Yeah. I think that um, Daniel chapter 8 shows us America coming into four parts. This Western power is spoken of in Daniel chapter 8. And it crosses the face of the whole earth without touching the ground. Did you ever read that, Mark? This was written about 600 B.C. It, this Western power crosses the Gentile power crosses the face of the whole earth without touching the ground and jumps on Iraq and then jumps on Iran. And after that, the horn of power is broken off and it comes into four pieces. We're right where that could happen now. Look how divided we are in this country, ideologically, I mean, just politically. I, I mean, we're gonna end up drawing some lines. You know, and it may be just something like a Mason-Dixon line, like, okay, if, if you uh, side with these people, you need to find a new place to live down this way. If you side with these people, you need to come north. But it says four. Out of one of those four, the little horn takes root and grows up and subdues the other three horns of power. He's the Antichrist. I believe the Antichrist will be revealed to the church before the, the rapture takes place. That's the way 2 Thessalonians 2 reads to me. Maybe he wants us to know so that we can tell those who are going to be left behind, whatever you do, do not follow behind this guy. Do not do anything he says. So... Um, this Babylon of chapter 18, it falls. And you know, it's really interesting. Um, and I, I did like what that fellow said in that thing that Ray sent me. He, he talked about this is, a, this is a Christian nation. You know, after all this goes down, first thing you see is all these uh, merchant ships out there on the ocean that this place this Babylon that sets on many waters and they, they're uh, stunned and they're crying and they're like, has there ever been a place like this? It's gone. In one hour, it's gone. All this merchandise that they can't trade anymore. And then, never such a great city. It says, rejoice over her, verse 20, thou heaven and ye holy apostles, and prophets, for God hath avenged you on her. And a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone and cast it into the sea, saying, Thus with violence shall that great city Babylon be thrown down and shall be found no more at all. And the voice of harpers 
and musicians and of pipers and trumpeters shall be heard no more at all in thee, and no craftsman of whatever craft he be shall be found any more in thee, and the sound of a millstone shall be heard no more at all in thee. Verse 23, And the light of a candle shall shine no more at all in thee, and the voice of the bridegroom and of the bride shall be heard no more at all in thee. The good point he brought out. There was a voice of the bridegroom and a voice of the bride in whatever this place is. Babylon had Christians, Christian nation. But they've been taken away. For thy merchants were the great men of the earth, for by their, thy sorceries were all nations deceived. And in her was found the blood of prophets and of saints and of all that were slain upon the earth. Sorceries. <coughs> you know the Greek word there? Mm-hmm. Pharmakia. Pharma. Now, they didn't... When, when, they, when they interpreted pharmakia from the Koine Greek into, I guess, the received text. <coughs> so what is this? Pharmakia. Well, it's mixing potions and stuff. And they were talking, oh, well, this is black magic. Well, mixing potions was a making of medicine and potions. So all this vaccine stuff and all the stuff even before it, all these drugs that we have peddled to the entire planet, come out of here these big pharmaceutical companies they're American oh they've got offices around the world but they're American companies the big ones are peddling dope peddling pharmakia to other nations we are certainly thankful that we are in Christ because there's a big bullseye painted on the United States of America And God is just waiting. He's like, I will do nothing until I take them out. Does that mean it's all hunky-dory and everything smooth sailing up to that point? Probably not. No, I don't think so. I mean, think about Noah. He got mocked. He was working hard. For 120 years. Yeah. Everything wasn't perfect. Everything definitely wasn't perfect for Lot. Look at all he was trying to do and deal with. And then these homosexuals wanting to uh, come in and partake of those men that came in to see Lot. These are angels. I guess guess the good thing I'm not God, I would have probably said, all right, yeah, y'all come on, see what you can do with them. You know, it wouldn't have worked. Oh, they didn't. They looked like men in the Bible. I don't don't know. I I guess maybe not. He was going to throw his daughters to them. But they didn't want them. They were female. Sodom. Sodomy. That's where that comes from. And evidently they were betrothed. According to the story. Well, Peter said that Lot was a righteous man who was vexed by the unrighteous 
place where he lived. So God does have mercy on us. I mean, if you drive down the highway, there's all kinds of temptations to sin. You can't you go to Chick-fil-A over there at Princeton. you got to pass at least two or three big billboards to come over and watch Naked Girls dance. Right? Temptations. And a lot of people succumb to those temptations. <clears throat> um, thank God that he has mercy on us. And he has remembered that we are dust. But I think, just at a straight perusing of Revelation, things are going to get a little bit testy before he takes the church. Just like I'm sure, like I said, uh, things weren't perfect for Noah or for Lot before they were taken to safety, taken away. We just need to pray hard and pray without ceasing. It wasn't Lot's first rodeo, though, because he had been captured and taken off by the, some kings that were against Sodom and Gomorrah and some four or five other kings. Yeah. And Abraham went and rescued him. I wonder what that's a picture of. Well, it could be of Christ going out into the pasture and putting the 99 in safe pasture and going to find the one that wandered off. I don't know. He will, he is the good shepherd. You know, uh, when you hear somebody that wants to preach that you can lose salvation in Christ, my favorite thing to ask him is, are you one of his sheep? Like, yeah, yeah. Is he the good shepherd or is he kind of a mediocre kind of a shepherd? Well, he's a good shepherd. Bible says it. I said, now, it, he said he would come looking for you. Just like a good shepherd will come looking for that sheep. If he takes it upon himself to do that, is he going to succeed in that mission or is he going to fail? I told him I won't name him on the podcast, but oh, a trusted friend I said, you know, he, God, cool. just, God just lets you believe you can lose your salvation because he knows how you'd act if you ever once found out you couldn't. He's a shark, though. Love him to death. Oh. True brother, true brother. Yeah, I mean, I, I won't part fellowship over somebody, you know. But now we've had people part fellowship with us for teaching eternal security. All you have to do is understand that God has told the end from the beginning. You think he's going to call you saved today if he knows you're not one of his? It is your decision. He knows how you'll choose. He's not going to ever call you saved. Man, if you'd have just died the week before last, you'd have went right into heaven with me. Doggone it. Isn't that absurd to look at yeah. God like that? Yeah. Yesterday... Now that you mention this, I was reading in John, uh, Romans 6, and it actually is a guarantee uh, that once you're saved, you're, you're saved. Uh -huh. Because it says right here, it says, For he that is dead is free from sin. Now, if we are dead in Christ, we believe that he shall also, we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, being, dead, being raised from the dead, dieth no more. Yes. So, if you lose your salvation, that means you die again? Yeah, you wouldn't be able to. 
Now well, they do like if to you're use in Christ. You can't. You, That's right. You know, you're, you're identifying with Christ in His death, and it says that Christ can die no more because He's already conquered death. Amen. So uh, you're going to see Hebrews six. He shield until the day of redemption. Yeah. yeah. Hebrews. I don't think they understand those verses. Well, this will really trouble somebody that believes they can lose salvation and get it back and lose it again and get it back. Hebrews 6. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrines of baptisms and the laying out of hands and of resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. And this we will do, if God permit. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come, if they shall fall away, to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucify to themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to an open shame." If you've been made a partaker, and a lot of people have, they came into the congregation, they might have been on the cupcake ministry. Um, they uh, always at church, did this, did that, but they never got born again. They might have made it look like it. They were RMs. They were, what's that? Regular members. Regular members. <laughs> um, That's what you got anymore. If you turn on God. Now, now, how is it that you could be made a partaker and <coughs> taste? The analogy I've used, I've used it, I'll use it again. I say I made you your favorite cake, a red velvet cake. I want you to come by and pick it up. Okay, I'll, I'll get over there. Well, the day passes. Hey, where are you? You're supposed to come get this cake. It's fresh. I just made it. I want you to have it. I did it for you. Gotcha. I got busy today. I'll come by tomorrow after work. Well, tomorrow comes, and it doesn't come. About the third day. Third day, there ain't no cake left. (laughs) Well, it's there. You remind him again, and just out of frustration, okay, all right, and he comes. So I want you to try a piece of this. And you slice him a piece of that cake that you made for him. And you push that plate to him and hand him a fork and he takes a bite. That's good cake. Uh, you know, that's good cake. I hate you put yourself to all this much trouble. I don't really want it. I don't know what I'd do with it. It's too much for me. Here. And he shoves it back across the table. And you talk about a slap in the face. And people do that to God. You tasted it. You were made a partaker. You knew it was real. And you knew it was good. You said, I don't want it. And these people exist. What about Hebrews 10? I hear people use that. Let me show you how you can lose your salvation, crucify the Son of God again. This verse 7 is kind of hard to understand, but actually... It is uh, telling what they just said about what you just read. Uh, For as the earth which drinketh in the rain and cometh oft, which cometh oft upon it and bringeth forth herbs and meat, for by whom it is dressed, received, and blessed of God. 
uh, but that which uh, beareth thorns and briars is rejected and is nigh unto cursing, whose end is to be burned. That, you know, what is, it's interpreting what, what that verse just said yeah. about, about receiving it and, uh, and oh, yeah. turning up away from it. There you go. Look at Hebrews 10, verse 26. For if we sin willfully after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful looking for judgment and fiery indignation which shall devour the adversaries. He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. Of how much sorer punishment suppose ye shall be he be thought worthy who hath trodden under foot the Son of God and hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing and hath done despite unto the Spirit of grace. I've seen them use that to say, you see, this person was saved. He was saved, it says he was sanctified. And he said, the Son of God hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified, an unholy thing. Does sanctified mean saved? Nope. You know how you know that? You go to 1 Corinthians 7. And the unbelieving spouse is what? Sanctified by the There you go. Doesn't mean they're saved. It just means they're set aside for God's favor because of their connection to a true believer. You know, back in Genesis 29, I think it was, uh, you know, Laban didn't want Jacob to leave. He said, I've, I've kind of noticed that uh, things go pretty good for me when you're hanging around here. You know, so um, in any event, sanctification is not salvation. It means you could be. This is a good place to take the Calvinist too who thinks that the, the atonement was limited. No, that verse there will show you that that blood that Christ shed was for you too. You just treated it as an unholy thing. Don't want to be that guy. Sanctification is a process that we as believers go through uh, in our walk with Christ. With Christ in our life. life. Because it says, whom he justified, he also did sanctify, you know. Okay. So you get, you get justified first, and then you get sanctified. Exactly. If you don't rebel, if you rebel, you got a miserable. That's fair. Now I think we're yeah, just over an hour in. Uh, let's bow our heads, Mark. I'll have you close us if you will. Father, we just thank you for this day, Lord. We thank you for the many blessings that you have poured out upon us, Lord, upon us, upon our families, upon our children and upon the loved ones that, that, that we long to, to, to see come to you, Father. We thank yes. you, Lord, for just the, the many, many blessings, God. And we just ask that you would just put up a hedge of protection around this home, Lord, around this family, around my brothers in Christ here that are with us, Lord, that you would just lead us and guide us into the direction and into the pathway that we should walk, Lord, that you would just encamp your angels, Lord, those angels that you have placed in charge of us, Lord, encamp your angels all about yes, us. Lord, yes, Lord, In everything we do and everywhere we go, Lord, we just ask 
a special blessing on those that couldn't be with us tonight, yes. Lord. No matter what their need is, Lord, you are the need meter and the way maker. Thank you. And Father, we just ask that you pour out the precious blood of Jesus over each one of us Thank and you. just bring us back you, to this household to the next appointed time. Sorry. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right.